Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Um, it's so good to see the top of most of your faces. Uh, and uh, man, I have, I have missed you guys greatly. And I, I just want you to know um, that uh, you know we, we're, we're doing indoor services and they're regulated size-wise, and we're trying to we're probably going to try to keep it that way for uh, for a while. For who knows. Um, and let me just say a few things on that. One, that doesn't stop the church. Uh, I love this and I love the gathering, but that that does not start stop the church. Um, uh, as Eric so eloquently put it, um, beautifully put it in his sermon a few weeks ago, sure, there's weeds, uh, but the kingdom, uh, the seed that is planted in the kingdom of God is not threatened. Um, so we don't have to be defensive or insecure or any of that. I'm not even into the sermon yet, and I'm already starting the sermon. Um, so that's one, uh, but two, um, we, uh, we try to limit it to 50, and we haven't reached 50 yet. So I say that to say, if you're like on the fence, you wake up on a Sunday morning, you're like, man, I got to RSVP, I don't know, you can send an email in an RSVP, but you can also show up. Um, and we, we try to keep distant, we've got the chairs set up in such a way that you can, so uh, this is great, and I love it, and God's grace to give us the beautiful um, but also, uh, and we're going to try to do a few, couple, a few more of these, right? We're going to try to do this a little bit more, um, but the building is open, uh, and then um, other ways, yeah, together. So, uh, I'm just excited to see you guys. I may just stand up here for a little while and take this in. Um, uh, this is a time in our service where, where, we, where we do our offering, um, and uh, if you haven't heard, if you haven't watched anything yet, we do have an app. So there's that, but we have the box there as well. Um, but one of the things we've been doing um, in our times of offering uh, is we have been um, praying for specific needs, um, specific aspects of our city and our, our world. Uh, and um, this morning, um, I didn't really map anything out in advance, but uh, this morning, let's just um, take a minute and, uh, and and pray for the church. Um, Yes, Refuge, but also the Capital C Church. Uh, we've been going through these parables. Uh, I, I think God is, God is when you when you say God is moving, God is always moving, or God is up to something, God is always up to something. Um, so we're not saying that God all of a sudden is like, oh man, I should do something. Uh, but uh, God is obviously, there, there is something moving in, in um, God's church. Uh, and... Um, maybe perhaps a bit of refining, maybe a, uh, perhaps a bit of humility, uh, maybe perhaps a bit of what are we clinging to and what are we holding to. And so this morning, I'm just going to pray that we would, um, uh, yeah, well, let's just pray for the church. So if you would join me, and, and for followers of Jesus, you are part of his bride. Uh, so this is us included. 
Um, so let's just take a minute and, and pray for uh, Christ's church. God, thank you that uh, you saw fit not to leave us as Lone Rangers. Um, and shoot, even the Lone Ranger, you gave him Tonto. Uh, but you have put us in community. That's been the design from the beginning. It was not good for us to be alone. And you gave us community right from the beginning. It's a reflection of you. It's the way that you are. Uh, and it's the way you designed us to be. And the way we see that that is manifest in the New Testament is this body called uh, the church, the people of God, uh, wretched and yet radiant, uh, constantly in need of being washed over, uh, to be renewed, to be um, cleansed, to be made beautiful. Um, and, and Jesus, I pray this morning for your bride. Uh, we do not like to be refined. We do not like to be challenged or um, humble, uh, but we are in constant need of it. And just like a parent would say to a child, this is, this is for your good. And I know you don't get this always, but it is for your good. This is what you're saying to your bride. I'm refining you because I love you. I'm calling you out on stuff and humbling you because, because I care for you. Because maybe you're putting your hope in the wrong things. Or maybe you're not sure where you should be standing. Um, and you have given us a firm foundation uh, that, is, that is our resurrected Jesus. So I pray that we would stand there. Um, uh, always in need of grace and mercy. Yet always striving for obedience. Um, because of your love for us, um, may we be faithful. We're in a day of being tossed to and fro, uh, seemingly interspersed by cat videos, uh, and, and yet you are whispering in a still small voice to your bride, be still, know that I am God. So I pray we would do that. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you that we can be together this morning. Thank you for beautiful weather that's just grace upon grace. Um, pray that you would be present in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so, I, uh, I am, I'm really glad you're here. And I want you to know that I went up yesterday and recorded um, a more full-length sermon because just whatever may come on an outdoor and work together and... Uh, you know, kids, flies, mosquitoes, whatever else is about during the day. So I, I went a little bit more in depth um, yesterday in the sermon, plus however the live stream goes here. Uh, so just so you know that. Uh, but um, we have been in the sermon series on parables. And I, I, have you guys, because I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know how technology even works. But uh, have you guys been keeping up and watching most of the this is not like a righteousness check. It's just a participation thing. Do you know we have we live stream the sermon every week? <laughs> okay. I talked to somebody the other day. It's been a month, and they were like, "So how's the church going? What's going on with that?" It's like, "Well, we we live stream every week." Really? It's like, "Oh man." Um, so this was somebody at our church. Uh, so I wanted to kind of give today's kind of a transition in the sermon series, where we go from this first set of parables to the second. Uh, Leslie Newbigin, anybody remember that name? 
we, we, we talked about Leslie Newbigin. If, if you've been in our Essentials class, we talked about Leslie Newbigin. He does triangle stuff. He's written a couple of books. Uh, he was a missionary to India. He came from England, uh, and he went to India. And then he came back to England, and he, he saw the church thriving when he left England and went to India. And then when he got back, the church was still kind of trying to speak with this authority, and nobody was listening. The pews were empty, big, beautiful English churches that were totally empty. And so he, he really started to, to develop a lot of missiology out of that. And one of the things that he said that I thought was fascinating is he said, um, uh, as the church, we need to really listen to and pay attention to Christian witness outside of our cultural context so that we can see the places that we have been culturally blinded and, and are reading the scriptures in the wrong way. Does that make sense? We need to see Christian witness outside of our own context because we need to see the ways that we're, we're, we've just been culturally blinded. By the way, there's plenty of shade in here. I think the sun is coming that way or over on the side. So if anybody gets up and moves to a more shaded spot, I'll, I'm good. Um, uh, and, and this was something that he took note of. As the church, we need to see how following Jesus is being expressed in, in other cultures and other climates. Because we're all in danger of taking the gospel, taking scripture, and, and really so intertwining it with our own lives and with the way we understand things and maneuvering it into our way of, of uh, seeing things that we, we can miss it. And we see this in Jesus' day, too. And so this morning is a transition. Uh, we've been looking at these parables on the kingdom of God. So if you've been uh, paying, if you've been watching or, or attending or paying attention the last several weeks, we've been looking at these. Jesus starts off and he speaks in parables. And parables are interesting because they're not always told. Sometimes we think, well, you tell an illustration to, to make something that was complex to simplify it. And oftentimes Jesus tells illustrations to make things that are presumed or assumed to make them a little bit more complex. Uh, and a lot of times he tells these illustrations and these parables to leave us going, well, wait, what? Hang on a minute. And, and that is the goodness of God. That leaves us wrestling, not presuming. It can humble us. But just like in our day, the same thing happens in Jesus' day when people hear certain things and they go, that's right. And Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Uh, and this is a this is a where we kind of transition like uh, a seed, right? That someone sows the seed into the fields, and he doesn't say the parable of uh, uh, the kingdom of God is like a side, and you choose which side you're going to be on. He says it's like a seed, and it begins to grow. Uh, it's like a pearl that is greatly valued that you're you you dig up, you find this hidden treasure, and all of a sudden it makes everything else seem a lot less important. A lot less valuable. Uh, it's like a little bit of leaven that once it gets going, it changes the very DNA and the very structure of who you are. And, and, and it will not be broken, it will not be shaken, even though the enemy may come and plant weeds, the kingdom is not threatened. And I, I loved Eric's sermon where he, you know, he said, we're, we see weeds and we're like, we need to take care of them now, pull them now, right? Especially lately where we get a month of drought and then two weeks of straight rain. 
um, and all of a sudden the weeds are way taller than your dress <laughs> or mine. Uh, and and we get out there and we're like, we got to pull the weeds. We got we got to do it now. And the farmer goes, no, I'll I'll separate it out. Kingdom is not in, in danger. And so as Jesus is preaching and teaching, he's doing these miracles. And all of a sudden we have this event that takes place, and 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 um, and it's in all four gospels. One of the few things that's in all four gospels. And, and the, and the Gospel of John gives us a unique insight into this uh, event that takes place. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Everybody familiar with that? You've heard that story? Um, Jesus is kind of tired, and so he goes to the Sea of Tiberias, the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and everybody follows him there. Um, and keep in mind, Jesus is tired and tries to get away, and people follow him, and yet he's without sin. That is, like, that is a miracle, Right? So he's teaching, and everybody's there all day. Well, there are ways out, and all of a sudden, the disciples realize, okay, it's too late. We can't send everybody back. This is in John 6, by the way. If you want to read the whole chapter, it's fantastic um, and troubling, which we'll get to that part. And so the disciples see, well, we're not going to be able to send everybody back, um, and we can't afford to feed everybody. What are we going to do? And Jesus, uh, there's a kid, apparently, that has five loaves and two, and, and two fish, Right? And I don't know how, out of 5,000 people, I don't know how the disciples see this one kid with a basket and they know exactly what he has in it, but they do. And here's the thing, Jesus doesn't stand up in front and go, hey everybody, hey everybody, watch what I'm about to do. Right? Um, he, he, he kind of almost secretly takes this basket and just starts reaching in and handing out bread and fish. And the people don't even realize it. And then they're all full and they're collecting the leftovers. And then the people are like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is the guy. This is the prophet, the capital P. This is the one. And it says in verse 15, chapter 6, verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The people saw Jesus doing this miracle. Now, in our day, we do this, right? We think in our own context. If you're, if you're a Jew in the early first century, and all of a sudden the prophet comes, what you're thinking is, this is the Messiah, this is the one that's going to come and restore Israel to greatness. This is the one that's going to make Israel great. Again, I walked right into that. Um, this is the one that's going to restore us to national prominence among the nations. Overthrow the Roman oppressors. This is our champion. And Jesus is like, no. And so here's what happens. Jesus, it's kind of funny. Jesus uh, disappears. And they don't see where he goes. And later on that night, the disciples early in the morning, they get out and they take boats to go across the sea. And Jesus is trying to sneak across the ocean, across the sea. And they see him and they freak out. And he's like, well, okay, I got to tell you now. It's me. Guys, calm down. It's me. In the sixth hour, which is, uh, I forgot what, it's like three or four o'clock in the morning. Um, and, uh, or the sixth watch. It's in there. Um, and they freak out. And then Jesus and his disciples, they go to the other side of the lake. And then the people catch up to him. And they're like, hey, hey, um, A, how'd you get over here? Uh, and then B, 
can you do that thing again? Can we have bread again? And then Jesus says, I am not, I'm going to give you the living bread. And whoever eats of this will never hunger again. And whoever drinks of this will never thirst again. And they go, yes, we want that. And then this is weird. Jesus goes, I'm that bread. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Imagine hearing this. Okay? And and they use code language. Uh, that they, they, they were troubled, which means they this was weird. And they're like, and then the people are like, okay, yeah. Um, we thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that. This is not what we want. And they all begin to leave. Uh, and they all walk away. Um, what we see, the shift before and after this, Jesus uses kingdom language. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a seed being sown. The kingdom of God is like a lamp being put on the lampstand. The kingdom of God is like, and he uses all these parables. And then this happens. And Jesus, who is still growing in wisdom and stature, right? He is still a man. He knows, I believe, that he is the Messiah and the hope of the world, but but he's teaching humans and there and how they are responding. And all of a sudden they go, kingdom, okay, right. This is the time for our kingdom. And Jesus, it's like he goes, okay, so it's time to switch strategies here. I've been talking about kingdom of God. Now they want to make me king of Israel as if to overthrow the Roman. That's not what we're going for. And so after this, Jesus tells more parables, most of them are in the Gospel of Luke, between the time of the feeding of the 5,000 and by the time he gets to Holy Week, the triumphal entry, which there he just kind of takes the shades off and is like very confrontational. And his, his parables are, have a lot of meaning. But this is what he does after this. He tells these parables of just outrageous grace. He tells parables where we think we know the answer and then he kind of he messes with us with the answer. You know a lot of these parables. You've heard of them. Um, a pastor and a politician go to the temple to pray. The pastor says, God, thank you that I'm not like this politician. The politician says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Which one walked away justified? A, a priest, a deacon, and a Antifa leader or a Muslim are walking down the road and there's a guy beaten on the side of the street. Two of them walk past. The third one stops and cares for his needs. Which one loved their neighbor? And here's the thing. Lest, lest we get up, Jesus is not, there's a few of them. He's not really telling us like who's in and who's out. We, we can make that mistake. But that's going further than Jesus is. He's messing with us. Guy has two sons. One is a, is a spoiled brat who steals the car and the credit cards and takes off and goes to the city and does whatever he wants. The other one gets his master's degree, comes back home, is going to run the family business. Which one ends up justified? And all these parables of grace, they start to mess with us. Pastor has a hundred congregants and one goes rogue. 
So he leaves the 99 other congregants and goes and chases after the one that's posting all this junk on Facebook. Are the other 99 okay with that? Um, and we see this image of radical grace. And here's this is what I want. In, in this day, when we when when things are incredibly divisive, uh, and again, I'm gonna I go more into this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rant this morning. Um, when things are incredibly divisive, we're faced with these four statements. You're either this or you're this. And Jesus is like, my kingdom is not in this world. You can eat that bread. You can eat the bread of the left. You can eat the bread of the right. And it will you will wind up hungry. Or you can feast on me. Where you can love your neighbor without being defensive. Where you can rejoice in truth without these either or statements. Just as an example, where you can care for women and you can care for the unborn. Where you can um, you can be rightly suspicious of the government and you can wear a mask. we're not trying to defend our own kingdom. If we try to pull Jesus into our own kingdom, we will walk away disappointed. Every time. There's a beautiful picture. This is what I want to, this is what I want to conclude with us. Um, there's a beautiful picture at the end of this chapter where um, uh, and, 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 and here, we'll have mercy on some of this crowd, right? If you're following a guy that says, uh, that just like made bread out of nowhere, and then he says, eat my flesh, you'd probably go, that's weird. That's weird. And so all these people leave. All right? Jesus gives a master class on how to shrink the church. Um, and they all leave, and then his disciples are going to start taking off too. And Jesus looks at the twelve, and he says to them, you guys going to leave too? And Peter, that lesson, Peter makes some of the dumbest statements in all of history, and yet every once in a while, every once in a while, he knocks it out of the park, right? He's the guy that gets up to the plate and swings as hard as he can at every pitch. And this one time, he connects. And Jesus says, you guys going to leave too? And Peter looks at Jesus, and this is what he says. Like, where else, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. In other words, what Peter is saying is, yeah, this is weird. I don't get what you're saying right here. Um, like, are we literate? Are we supposed to, you know, they, they probably edited out some of the other things that Peter said. Like, you want, are we eating now? And, but he says, you have the words of life. And I don't know what you're saying, but man, I'm, I'm here, I'm in. And the rest of the disciples are like, we're here. And so Jesus, in his grace, humbles us, messes with us, gives grace to the people that we don't think he should, gives voice to the people who are like, I can't believe, uses certain things to irritate us, and the goal is not for us to be right. The goal is for us in 
humility, mercy, and grace to work on us and to produce fertile soil in here. That Jesus has this. It doesn't mean we don't voice when things are wrong. It doesn't mean we don't um, we don't have deep conviction, but we have deep conviction with incredible mercy and compassion. Here's one thing I've learned about, about being a follower of Jesus that's, that's been the hardest. Um, I love this incredible, outrageous grace. So you're going to hear this over the next several weeks, right, as we go through these parables. Outrageous grace and how it's going to poke and prod at us. And here's the thing that I've learned. I, I dig it. I love the idea and the concept of outrageous grace. And I need it, and I want to sing about it, and I want to lift my hands, and I want to rejoice in it. And then Jesus goes, right, and now I'm going to apply it to this guy. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know about that. And Jesus comes back in grace and says, cool. When you run the universe, you come back and tell me how you think about that. In the meantime, you need it. And so do they. Uh, and so you're going to sing about it. You're going to rejoice about it. We're going to find out how deep this goes and how, how much, the, how fertile your heart is when I apply it to the one person you don't want me to, to apply it to. Let that mess with you. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.